everybody. It's the Doctor Who Flashcast. Remember us? I don't remember us. It's been so long, but we're here to talk about the festive special. Why is it festive? Jeez. I don't know. It happened on New Year's Day. It's Revolution of the Daleks. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined by a huge panel of people. We're just hanging out talking about Doctor Who because it's New Year's Day and because we don't even know when Doctor Who's coming back in the fall sometime. Doctor Who will return mm, with no details. Uh, let me introduce the people who are here to just hang out in our pajama party and talk about Revolution of the Daleks. Annette Weirstra is here. Hello. Hello. I was hanging out in my pajamas and then thought, hey, why not come and talk to, about Doctor Who with why all not? of you? You got, the, you got the dress code, so uh-huh. you might as well. Uh, James Thompson is here. Hello. I think it's legal for me to be wearing my pajamas at this time of night. I yeah. think so. You're, you're you know, <laughs> representing us in, uh, in GMT. Jean McDonald is here. Hi. Hi. Also wearing pajamas. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Chip Sutterth. Hello. Not, not pajamas. Okay, pajama, not pajama. Is that what we're doing now? This is the important pajama, not pajama test. Moises yes. Julian, are you wearing pajamas? Uh, I am impure. I am impure, impure, okay. impure. So dirty pajamas. Dirty pajamas, <laughs> filthy. Utterly filthy. And uh, Stephen Schapansky is here. Hi. All impure pajamas must be exterminated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Erica Ensign, right next to Stephen Schapansky. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I did not get the memo about the pajamas, but guess what? I'm wearing them anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it only seems right. So we, we used to spend our Christmas Day watching Doctor Who, and now it's New Year's Day instead. I'm, I'm, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Actually, I have less to do on New Year's Day than on Christmas yeah, Day. Mm-hmm. Slightly it's easier true. to schedule. Uh, yeah. Yes. Especially if you have a podcast to do. Mm-hmm. That's well. That's that's what I was saying to Lauren. Is is you know this means that I don't have to record podcasts on Christmas anymore. I can record them on New Year's Day instead. It's totally different. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yet for the first time ever, like this Christmas was as slack as any Christmas <laughs> ever, with no Christmas dinners to go off to. And I I spent most of the Christmas going. Well, sure. Wish I had a Doctor Who episode yep, right. to watch later today. I got all the time in the all, world to do it. All of the time, but alas, no. But we do now. We do now. Very long. Uh, mm-hmm. mo- movie-ish length, uh, Revolution of the Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lauren turned to me about halfway through, and she was like, or maybe it was like forty minutes through. I think her sense of a Doctor Who episode length hit, and she's like, "How long is this?" And I said, "It's like seventy-three <laughs> minutes long." And she says, oh, "Okay, because there's no way that they're going to wrap this up." Is that it was it was basically the is this a two-parter um, moment? And it's like, no, it's just a very long episode. Is all it is. Revolution of the Daleks. It is a sequel to the uh the previous new year's special where they found an old dalek and dug it up and uh bad things happen when you dig up a, an old dalek so it, it is resolution that was resolution this is revolution that was resolution not of the daleks because they hid mm-hmm. the name um this time they were like daleks in your face and yeah well i think this is in line with this whole last season of doctor who which is sort of embracing after that after chris chibnall's first season was sort of like let's go back to basics season two was sort of like let's get into all the deep references and this this special similarly is sort of like we're gonna have how about we have daleks yelling at other daleks how let's do that <laughs> mm-hmm. let's just do that <laughs> that's always fun 
It's a little like a, like a DM um, having a conversation between two NPCs where they have to do both the voices. It was a little like that. It's like Dalek. <laughs> so much work for Nick Briggs. Yeah, Dalek A voice yelling at Dalek B voice and having a whole conversation that's just really one guy talking mm-hmm. amongst himself. I don't know. Let's, he did it well. let's have an American entrepreneur uh, make uh, ruinously terrible decisions while a British PM insists that a very, very bad deal is a very, very good deal. Um, yeah, I, actually, <laughs> let's not let's, timely at all. Let's start there. They, they obviously made this episode right at the end of the production block for last season. So it was before the pandemic. Um, but uh, uh, let me tell you. One of the things that I really noticed and and appreciate about this episode is this episode is, uh, like a lot of Chibnall stuff, is super political um, because the whole idea that the government is going that that prime minister speech where she keeps talking about oh, security yeah. and the importance mm-hmm. of security mm-hmm. and how we're going to keep everybody secure and it's patriotic and all of that and you know that should those words should give you the heebie-jeebies but when you know that she's rolling out daleks it's just like yeah. the superposition of doctor who lore on the language of a uh, person in power trying to bring you know a, a tech Democratic uh, police state into being. I I I laughed at it because I thought um, I, I I was impressed that Chris Chibnall went there and he went all the way there. I I did think it was good that they managed to cast Theresa May uh, in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not had much to do since she's not prime minister anymore. So. Yeah. yeah, it was it was very political and it very much felt like uh, a sort of politics circa just before the pandemic mm-hmm. um, yeah that was the yeah. thing it was it was probably written you know like oh we'll we'll sort of exaggerate all this stuff and now watching it it's like yeah this is totally believable just yeah. current tory policy daleks yes yeah um, the only thing that was missing was the sense of you know isolation and separation and, and things like what? that so it did feel like a bit of a time capsule yeah. Um, it would ha- it would have been made differently if they'd known what uh, what the environment was going to be on New Year's Day 2021. But it was still um, there was still a lot of ripped from those I liked, headlines. I like that the yeah. Daleks were built in abandoned car firm plants. We were probably all <laughs> left because of Brexit. And, and the I, I think one of the numbers where I don't know whether it was more or less effective, just differently effective, is that the the scene where they're testing the security yeah. drones that are based on the Daleks has a has a protest, a group of protesters that mm-hmm. are like fake protesters, and I thought, oh, this this reads differently now too, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe. From- I think I think the big difference would be that the jokiness of them being fake protesters, that's the, the wrong foot because the sinister nature of using Daleks to control your population, that I like. But uh, the fact that they're like, oh, you know, it's all fake. I'm like, mm, mm, no, yeah. you wouldn't do that now. Yeah. But they, they, what, what can you do? They made this a year ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually wonder if it, if it really sorry. was fake because we don't, you know. <laughs> Is it or is it not? Like, they literally set one of those police officers' shields on fire. Yeah. Uh, it, it looked pretty real. I thought that perhaps he was just saying, oh, it's just a fake demonstration to, you know, but it was, but that it was legit and he was just hmm. trying to downplay it. Downplay it in the press afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that, that may have just coming, been clunky dialogue than, than uh, intentionally yeah. bad plotting. Coming from Portland, I have to say, 
or living in Portland, I should say, uh, that opening with that really set me, you know, my teeth a little on edge, not because of the show per se, but thinking, well, at least uh, the government didn't have Daleks to deploy right? <laughs> in my hometown. I mean, yeah. they would have if they had them, you know. <laughs> and that's that's the point where I was like, this is a family program, and yet here it is saying, essentially, how do you feel about suppressing protests? How do you feel about um, make Britain more secure? Safety is our goal. Like this super dystopian stuff that we hear a lot, and then you layer the Daleks on top of it, and it's like I was, I honestly was impressed because this is not in in the context of what is supposed to be a light, fun adventure for a, ho- a festive season. Sorry, festive season. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is dystopian stuff. Like, I was, I was very impressed that he went there. I'm, and they also, uh, spoilers, kill the prime minister yeah. on live television. How, how many uh, prime ministers has Doctor Who killed oh, off my. in the course of it? Like, there was uh, uh, Aliens of London was yep. found dead in a closet. Yep. Uh, there was the president-elect, which for some reason was negotiating with the master in The, mm-hmm. in the Last of the Time Lords was killed. Uh, yeah, uh, Doctor Who has famously executed their world leaders on national television. And, and that leads to the moment which I think is going to maybe go down as a reference for for history is that leads to the moment after they gun down the uh, prime minister where Daleks are in front of number 10 Downing Street giving their mm-hmm. orders to the population of the UK. And I'm like, oh, damn, Chris Chibnall. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It's like, he did it. He did it. He just, <laughs> he yep. doesn't care. He did it. It's I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it I, reminded me a lot of the uh, way that RTD handled politics and that uh, Stephen Moffat perhaps shied away from a little bit. Not that he wasn't political, but um, RTD did stuff, you know, on his sleeve, you know, like the the stuff with Obama in the end of time and things like that. You know, this was a – this felt much more like an RTD kind of uh, series finale uh, or special compared to resolution it just felt to me like chibnall was just sort of leaning into that sort of thing i think if it was a true rtd episode you'd have have a hundred times the number of daleks but yeah otherwise (laughs) pretty much and um so the other thing that i want to i want to mention and and, uh somebody mentioned it earlier maybe moises is chris noth who is back he was in uh, arachnids in the uk he's back now this is our american businessman who was a sort of a Trump analog already, um, but then but he's radically been super, more competent. He, radically more competent. Well, yeah, but so okay. I, I'm just gonna lay it all out there. I love Chris Noth in this episode, and I love how he's written. <laughs> I think he is. I think it's hilarious. It's almost like he's the comic relief character commenting on the action as we go, because throughout, mm-hmm. when when he could be like, no, Doctor, you've defeated me. Instead, he's like, wow, this is a PR disaster. And like yeah. everything he does <laughs> is like just he, he he takes everything in stride, aliens, whatever he makes, tries to make a deal with the Daleks. He, you know, he he lies about it later and, and doesn't get punished for it. But like. When every every time you've got this whole very serious Doctor Who scene in there, and then you've got Chris Noth who's like, "Nah, I don't care about any of that." Like it's the way the character is written, and then obviously portrayed with just kind of glee by Chris Noth. Um, I, I I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, and I I thought he was good in 
arachnids in the uk but here i feel like it's just totally unchained just like he is he is just a funny um completely amoral businessman with lots of of buzzwords and it's just i don't know it 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 was maybe my favorite thing in the whole whole show was him I think one of my favorite lines in it was the, you know, give me one good reason why we should save you. And he goes, money? (laughs) (laughs) I liked how it built on him in arachnids, though, because it's it was that kind of a shortcut to like, oh, this guy's a giant jerk. But then they like notched it up even further. And he just basically was, you know, getting worse. He's a cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I do think he did a great job of it. I was like, I love you and also hate you yeah yeah i like in some in, in a different story it wouldn't work but i think that there's enough weight being carried on like because the, the, this is kind of an emotional character story and then the, the plot is there to have spectacle and to carry us along and i think in his slot commenting on the action action and keeping it light and being a satire of uh of pr speak and business people who are always who are amoral and focused on profits like i think it really worked even in if in other contexts it wouldn't have yeah, I like that he didn't like you sort of got the sense that oh wow, now that he realized who the Daleks really are, he's this is where he sort of has his redemption moment. But no, nope, nope. he goes back nope. and tells out the doctor <laughs> nope. and comes out a hero still in the eyes of the British press and is just a this happy go lucky entrepreneur who helps save Earth, you know. I like that we don't have that sort of hammy redemption at the end of it all. I do also appreciate that he is not responsible for recreating the Daleks. That's his his lackey sort of did that on his oh, own. Mad and as soon scientist. as he sees yeah. it, as soon as he sees it he's like no incinerate that immediately this never happened i was never here you didn't show this to me like he's savvy enough that he recognizes a bad thing when he sees it and is just like no that could that could go bad places we don't want to do that and that is that is the most un-trump like thing about the character i don't think that trump would have cared (laughs) sure sure i think we'll see him again i think we'll see him in series 13 Mm -hmm. i mean this guy's got a story arc going here yeah. Well, I mean, they nod to him having a possible presidential run at the end. So I feel like it's less arky of a story arc after this, though, because I felt like at the end of Arachnids, I, you know, he could have gone either way. He could have gone this way and gotten more cartoon villainy, or he could have, you know, had his eyes opened a little bit by the things that he had seen. And that was kind of what I was hoping. Like, I wanted him to come back and sort of be not necessarily totally, you know, like made better but i wanted him to come back and maybe grow a little bit and he absolutely did not so no. was, this was a little disappointing for me oh you, you i, I, wanted, I just wanted him. him to die i was well, like kill if, him if, kill, he, kill. if he runs for president then obviously as we've just <laughs> detailed he will march die for death at that point yes that's true i just i i think i he doesn't progress as a character here but i you know i think he's used well i think this feels to me like Chris Chibnall was writing this and thinking, oh, you know what I need here is something like the Chris. No, well, I'll just do that. Like, I'll just put that character in here because that's what I want is a character like that. So I'll just use that character again. But I think effectively to me, he made me, he made me just because he keeps saying PR stuff the whole way. He's in the middle yeah. of an alien mm-hmm. invasion. And he's just like, wow, this is bad for my publicity. Uh, <laughs> it's just the like, stock price is, is going to really tank it's off amazing. of this. It's amazing. The thing that uh, I, I, I like about the political allegory aspect of it is that 
um, even though he 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 has various tendencies that could be uh, linked to being distinctly Trump-like, they are more about the ultra-capitalist guy who only cares about money, his own reputation, his own stock price, that kind of a thing. Um, because uh, Donald Trump may have not been re-elected president of the United States, but that sensibility is not disappearing. And um, even though he he could be considered adjacent uh, to that guy uh, who is so uh, disliked by so many of us and so many people across the planet um th- those sensibilities aren't going away and um and i think um as cartoonish as he is he is still a threat uh because you don't know what stupid door he's going to open in the name of himself and if you make this episode back in 2019 having sort of theresa may and donald trump in power is not like a terrible bet yeah yeah also i think just the general idea that of kind of unrestrained capitalism and um, you know that, that you can broaden it out, and it's I think better to make it a broader target than a very very specific. Yeah. I think if Russell T Davis wrote this script, it would be a much more specific satire because he seemed to really like <laughs> doing like ah oh, we're going to take it to whoever is in charge in 2005. Take that mm-hmm. right. Whereas this seems more broadly like there are always going to be businessmen who have political dreams who are amoral and will you know will do whatever mm-hmm. it takes to stay uh, to make money and to stay on the right side of 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 the PR and 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 He's that's a timeless that's a, jerk. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> um, so another thing that I wanted to mention for this episode is, that I'd love to hear from all of you about is uh, along with um, resolution. And now Revolution of the Daleks, the way that Chris Chibnall takes on this classic Doctor Who staple of the Daleks, the fact that we got in in the previous special and in this one, this idea that the Dalek inside the casing is more um, monstrous, is more like uh, uh, something out of Alien. <laughs> um, and then also the interesting idea here of like humans designed Daleks, so they look different because humans made them and all of that. But like, especially, I just feel like he has a different spin on it that ultimately if you've got a bunch of armies of floating Daleks, it's sort of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a thing that the show has done and the modern show has done a lot. But that the individual monsters are, uh, you know, are, are creepier and more dangerous. And that was definitely true in resolution, but he, I feel like he's playing those, those cards here too. And it, it works pretty well for me that I like that the, that they're not just sort of motionless slugs that they're, they're actually dangerous on their own. It feels yeah. personally dangerous to me, like, you know, that you might get that thing on your back. And so I think it raised the stakes other than, I don't know. They just seem a little more flexible in the yeah. evil that they can do. They're face huggers they, now, basically. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, they, they, they're back they're huggers. Fa- face huggers that that move like Shumagorath from Marvel Comics, which is a reference that'll land for about twelve. No, people. Yeah, nobody got um, it. Yeah, it, <laughs> but, but they 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 are they are much more. Uh, prehensile than alien face huggers, uh, which are you know skittering little little insects or Daleks are... historically. But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that um, you know I'm reaching a point of diminishing returns on Dalek stories. Yeah, here, um, here, and mm-hmm. and yeah, they're you know they. If you're doing a holiday story, there's a good reason to do Daleks because the these festive specials are supposed to be uh, crowd pleasers. Mm-hmm. And it's the Doctor versus the Daleks, yay team. That said, um, a couple of things that I liked about this one included the fact that one of the one of my favorite Dalek tropes is 
the pure Daleks versus the impure Daleks uh, or Dalek Civil Wars. Uh, you know, one of my favorite classic episodes is Re- Remembrance of the Daleks. And when you've got Daleks shooting at each other, you know, pop some popcorn, guys, because that's fun. I was literally going to mention that story, but I could not remember which R starting title (laughs) of the Daleks it was. So I just skipped saying anything. (laughs) Yeah, I am am also bored with the Daleks, but that's why I lean forward when anybody tries to do anything new with them. And I think that's what I like about Chris Chibnall's take is that I feel like he's trying. I feel like Chris Chibnall knows he's got to use the Daleks. but yeah. is trying to find something to do that's different. And that was what, what I thought was great about Resolution is that it was about the Dalek mutant and now it can possess people. And, and and just it was a more terrifying monster even before it got in its little shell. And here, this is like this is like Aliens, right? So that was Alien and this is Aliens. Now there's in, yeah. in, in Osaka, <laughs> there's a giant tower full of these things. And how, how are we going to kill them and the answer seems to be that jack has a large bag full of very small explosives that do that explode a lot and throughout (laughs) this episode that that is called on you know frequently to do that but like it was i like chris chibnall um trying to make the daleks more interesting by giving them some interesting spins i do i'm not entirely sure he's successful because in the end i mean like the Dalek confrontation where it's the original Daleks, which is a fun moment where it's like, we're going to go and find a, a Dalek saucer full of gold Daleks and we're going to bring them back and say, these guys are, are mutants and you've got to kill them. Like I, I, I was amused by that. I thought that was kind of a fun twist. And I like that on the bridge, they confront each other and they shoot at each other. And that is a, a fun kind of thing. But is it that fun? I, I'm, I think I found myself more admiring it for seeing how Chris Chibnall was laboring to do interesting things with the Daleks than being interested by the Daleks, if that makes any sense. It's like, I appreciated the intellectual exercise of trying to do something different, but it's still just more Dalek stuff. I did like the design of the new Daleks. Like, mm-hmm. like the, you know, red yeah. Daleks are, are bad. And <laughs> blue Daleks are also bad, but in a different, more, uh, more uh, different yeah. way that you can uh, expect what they're going to do. Yeah. I, I, and it, it was kind of frightening that, you know, the Dalek that was used as the police tank, essentially, like, is doing everything that I imagine a lot of police departments around the right. world would probably think. This would be perfect across crowd control. It's got a, <laughs> it's got a uh, you know, water gun, uh, water gun I, and a gas dispersion unit. I mean, this is absolutely perfect. Like shot out a stream of water. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking, oh no, they're not really going to shoot everyone. No, yeah. it was water. I, I did, yeah, I did think when they said that they were solar powered that they wouldn't work in Scotland. And so would be safe from the Daleks. <laughs> it's okay because Scotland isn't real. It, it's a fictional place. Yeah. So I'm told. But yeah, uh, one I of the things how... that Chibnall does there, uh, Jason, I think, to make the Daleks a little more interesting is you get different facets of the Daleks. You get the you get the casing. Um, you get the Daleks, the, the, the mutated Daleks within the casing, then you get the original, uh, the original flavor. That's, that is one thing that helps elevate this a little bit for me is that the, uh, the different doll, they're not one size fits all. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. don't be the don't, next Dalek episode Dalek. title, Facets of the Daleks. Don't, don't taste a Dalek. The original flavor is terrible. Don't. <laughs> don't do it don't. no gene new dalek you were gonna say bomb. something i was just when that water cannon part started i thought they can't have 
nearly enough water inside a dollar to <laughs> make it effective. But then the next thing was, you know, I my mind went initially, of course, to tear gas. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's bad. And they should have masks on um, if they're doing a test with uh, tear right. gas. But then he um, said it was all that. That was weird, right? Because he's like, "Oh no!" But it's not real. I'm like, okay. Um, it was it was a weird really scene. A test, but yeah, that was a weird scene. But I think the scariest thing about this uh, Dalek, uh, you know, incarnation, I, and you know, I like to be corrected um, by those who are um, connoisseurs of old Doctor Who is the fact that they could teleport, you know, or whatever with the UV light, um, which we saw in the first uh, last year's special that, you know, because, you know, if you divide a Dalek into pieces, that should be good, if especially if they're all across the world. But if, you know, they can reassemble themselves with a little bit of UV light, what is what's to stop them? And um, I thought that the fact, you know, if you think about it, maybe those impure Daleks were more powerful, potentially. I don't know. I mean, they were clones of the reconnaissance Dalek um, that apparently could take on the entire, uh, you know, human forces of the, of the human race in the Middle Ages. I don't know. So uh, don't know. One, one Dalek against all. But yeah, Dal- I Daleks are very dangerous good. Uh, until they need to be very easy to defeat. That's easy how they to work. Yep. <laughs> That's all how they work. I did have oh, one. Oh yeah. Of, oh, go ahead. And with them running, the seeing Daleks like stream into the TARDIS that was, was one of the again yeah. great. a nice thing of like, well, what what haven't we seen? Maybe what we funnel a whole bunch of Daleks into the TARDIS. I'm like, oh man, they're going to be getting those guys out of there for it's going to take forever to get. That them. was possibly my favorite shot of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's never really happened apart, apart from I think the parting of the ways when the TARDIS materializes around the Dalek and Jack shoots it immediately. Like there's the Daleks have never really penetrated the uh, the TARDIS, uh, and so that was like, oh my god, what are they doing here? And then I I was uh, I was surprised. I'd forgotten all about the house TARDIS. Uh, Same. Back in it, was in the, yep. it was in the first scene. Yes, yep. yeah. it was there, but I didn't think they used it that way. So they got rid of the Daleks, and that's that that pesky, much more uh, perfectly functional secondary. The, yeah. that, that was go. the problem I had was like the, the Doctor basically killed that Tardis, yeah. knowing yeah, that see, it was. This is, I this is just another nail in the coffin for the Doctor's wife for me. A story I'm yeah. not super fond of. It's just like that that particular retconning of what a Tardis is makes anything that happens to Tardis is now like extra icky so i'm I'm just like i've i've my personal headcanon just skips right over the doctor's wife so this is no this story is no problem yeah because it, it's a perfectly nice fresh tardis and it got all uh, crunchy like a crushed aluminum can and then goes yeah, to the yep. void that's no it was good. a brand new tardis it didn't have any programs installed apart from the base stuff it had the original os on there like yeah. there was no real Post, personality and then post-it there, notes so. is about it post-it notes <laughs> yeah, everywhere really has is in yeah. there i like that they picked that up at the beginning because i remember thinking uh, when I when I knew this episode was coming, that when we last saw them, there was a whole house in Sheffield that was actually a TARDIS, and and here it's like, oh yeah, Yaz goes there and is trying to plot her her way to find the Doctor, and I thought that was really sweet. Nothing really comes of it. It's 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 uh, Ryan and Graham saying, no, we've got a you know, there's a Dalek, we have to go. But uh, I did like that she that you know they did address the fact that there was a. Uh, TARDIS shaped like a house and then of course it gets crushed like a can at the end 
alas. Yeah, I, I did like Yaz basically going full post-it note mm-hmm. and <laughs> having all, you know, almost the red string. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She does she does want to be a detective. Like that's what she is yeah. training for. So this is this is her big murder board, basically. Yeah. yeah. She jumps <laughs> at the chance to like go off with Jack to go explore mm-hmm. Osaka too. Like that investigative nature of hers really takes over. Mm-hmm. Right. Once once that uh once the doctor has uh rejoined the circle rejoined the fam as it were and that's the i mean the the family dynamic the character dynamic that's really the heart of this thing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the the dalek plot is just a scaffolding that all of the more important stuff hangs on Mm -hmm. yeah and and i uh we should talk about it because that's i mean you could you could argue that the this episode has one job to do which is adjust the main cast of the series um <laughs> and find uh, that's the harsh way to say it but like find an end end point for the two actors who are leaving the show and also perhaps send the doctor and yaz on a new trajectory and i think what's interesting about it is that um the way i knew going in who was leaving and who was not. But um, I think that the show does a good job of making you wonder what's going on because Yaz, I think because she's so attached to the doctor is even more upset with the fact that the doctor hasn't been seen in 10 months. By the way, nobody, uh, she doesn't mention that she's from her time. She's been gone decades from them. Right. Like, I wonder, I wondered if she's going to do that. And I like the fact that she chooses not to, because she's not trying to defend herself. Uh, against them she's this is a a very rare characteristic in any doctor is that she is recognizing the harm she has done and taking that to heart and just flat out apologizing for it and not trying to brush it off in any sort of way which is a thing that i i like about the 13th doctor but i also feel a little bit weird about simply because this is a a kind of a new thing it's it's great because it's character development the doctor is growing but that that type of great empathy is often coded as a feminine sort of thing. And it just happens to be happening when we have our first woman playing the doctor. So I have kind of mixed feelings about that. It's, it's something that I really like to see in the doctor. I just think it's a shame that it is, is tied up also Mm. with her being a woman at this point. I I did like the, the conversation between, uh, uh, Jack Harkness and, uh, uh, Yaz, uh, yes. where, the, where you know, the, it was basically the, well, we're both in love with her. Um, or that's how I read that scene anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it calls back to a similar conversation between Jack and Martha Jones in mm-hmm. uh, the third mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one's, but this one's even more, it, it, it's even more thorough. Um, you know, Jack is just so damn empathetic, um, in that scene. And, um, they go ahead and pretty much make the subtext text in yeah, in, in that yeah. scene. I uh, had several moments in this episode with obviously John Barrowman back as Captain Jack. We haven't really talked about that, but um, I had several moments where I thought, "Oh yeah, Chris Chibnall basically ran Torchwood, mm-hmm. um, and he knows exactly how to write Captain Jack." I, I just it, it, that's <laughs> rare that it happens, but I'm like Captain Jack. Oh yeah, Chris Chibnall knows Captain Jack. He's like, I get it. I I totally. I totally can see that. I could feel that, that, that he knows exactly how to use and how he wants to use Captain Jack. But I think it's funny that Yaz is the one who's upset with the doctor. 
because and ultimately it's because she didn't want to be left and she feels abandoned and there's that moment of sort of like you just got to hang on you you know this is it, it reminded me also of uh school reunion right and the conversations mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. sarah and rose mm-hmm. that it, it's mm-hmm. and mickey actually um <laughs> and the, uh, whoever, whoever wants to be the tin dog so <laughs> it's that thing is like this is a special time in your life and um when it's over it's over and you got to hang on and i i liked that but i thought it was fascinating that she's you know troubled at the same time that that, that ryan is troubled and so not if you didn't know going in what was going to happen in terms of the characters i think you might have been it was enough of a kind of a smoke screen a little bit of like there's obviously something going on the 10 months away has caused some differences in the family in the fam and what i like about it is that ultimately it's not yaz's negative emotions that drive her away it's ryan having grown and changed that makes him decide to step away and that's not i think a I don't know that that seems to be the doing the opposite of what the obvious would be, which is the negative emotions would drive somebody away. And instead, it's more like a triumph of of Ryan saying, you know, with without you here, Doc, for the last 10 months, I've become a better person and I can stand on my own now. I can't ride a bike, but I can stand on my own now and I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go off and, and leave, live my own life and have my own adventure. And I I really liked that that. That you know, Yaz ends up having to come back to the doctor. Maybe it's a little codependent. I don't know, but uh, but Ryan gets to walk away. <laughs> well, I think for those, those who've those who've complained about thirteen not being you know a, a traditional doctor, the episode ends with an old white man and his grandchild, uh, just like the the show started. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that bothered me slightly was, you know, once the other two have left, I thought, great, we'll now have Yaz and the Doctor having, you know, adventures. And this was undercut totally by the sort of post-credit, like, reveal of, yeah, hey, I we've don't... got another white guy that we yeah. can put in the TARDIS. I, yeah, I don't even want to think about that. I'm still, no. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> seriously, I'm still thinking about the triumph was the word that you used, Jason. And I think that's a great word because I feel like this particular choice to leave for Ryan and Graham is a triumph for new who because mm-hmm. we have never had a companion leave of their own volition for a positive reason mm. it was and that is something that i have been angry with this show for ever since it came back like oh you have to be torn apart into a ter- parallel universe or you have to have gotten dissed by the doctor so many times you're just going to leave with a broken heart or you have to to die and be stuck in or, or lose all of your, all memories. your memories i mean yeah. just Everything has been so like, I I think it's in in part because the showrunners were very big Doctor Who fans and couldn't imagine wanting to leave the the Doctor. Why would you ever do that? Well, guess what? Some people probably would. And Chris Jimnell has finally shown us that on the screen. And I'm just so happy we finally got companions leaving with their own agency because they triumphed, because they grew, because they became uh, better, stronger people. And the Doctor made them that way. This sort of like, you know, flies in the face of of Davros and whichever episode saying that, you know, the Doctor turns people into weapons. No, the Doctor (laughs) Just, mm-hmm. The doctor just makes people stronger and more of what they already are. The Which laziest possible writing could have been for Ryan and Yaz to react in exactly the same way to mm-hmm. uh, the doctor um, disappearing for 10 months. And I think Ryan and Yaz both are upset and hurt by the doctor's absence, but they handle it in such different ways. Um, uh 
and I, I, I and I agree. I agree, Erica. That that's exact. That is just such a. This is a fantastic, possibly the best episode that Tosin's done. I think in the last two series, maybe even better than his turn in Resolution, um, because I just he just felt like a different man. Mm-hmm. Wait, right, what I, is, I go ahead. Uh, what I liked is I felt like they, like you said, they were both hurt, but I think Yaz's intensity about it was because ultimately she wasn't ready to let go. And so, you know, she, right. she just, she wanted to go back. She wanted to go back so much. And, uh, Ryan was a much more at peace because I feel like we, he knew and because I knew he was going to be leaving while watching it, but I felt like he knew the entire time that this was going to be their last hurrah. And he was sort of like, uh, at peace with his decision right. while still engaging with it. And, uh, not that he wasn't hurt in like a similar way, but I think they were just in different places of their relationship. And I was, I tweeted before, I was like, all I want is for like a companion not to die on our festive <laughs> special, please. Uh, you know, like <laughs> the most festive of companion deaths. Exactly. They, they, let's let's like by a kill Christmas someone. tree or uh, the, yeah, exactly. Erica, something you said I um about letting them, letting them have their choice to go and having it not be negative in a way, the exit for for Ryan and Graham is the Sarah Jane exit, with the difference being they choose to go. But that last scene, which is calling back to the first scene of the era where Ryan's trying to ride a bike and his relationship mm-hmm. with Graham is in a very different place at that point, um, that is has those lines about how like there's a there's a, a quarry in korea that has like gravel <laughs> monsters and there's a there's a there's monster trolls. trolls in scandinavia that we have to investigate and we've got we got our psychic paper that she has given them as a, as a parting gift and like i love that that they choose to leave on their own but the way he says is you know i want to i want to make my world a better place I, I there's enough for me to do here on earth and and so they get to the Sarah Jane ending of I'm gonna make yeah. I'm gonna be my own doctor and have my own adventures without it being like you abandoned me. It's like no, I'm gonna go off mm-hmm. and have my own adventures now. I'm graduating from this. Thank you. And mm-hmm. now is, I'm leaving. That's a very classic who thing to do. I just you know it it certainly played out more elegantly from an emotional standpoint than just you know Nissa deciding to to stay on terminus and help <laughs> oh, people with Lazarus disease. But I thought they did such. He, Chibnall did such a good job of giving each of them, you know, a scene to interact, you know, with the doctor or with each other to kind of show us eventually what direction they were aiming for. So at the end, that choice of Ryan's does not take us by complete surprise. Like you get right. there, you you have points A and B and C, and and the uh, the moment that the doc- the doctor comes back and he has physically shoves her it was such mm-hmm. a great performance because mm-hmm. you get like real intensity from both the doctor and from from yeah it's like you see how much this hurt her and then that just makes me spiral into well okay the doctor disappears for 10 months and you guys are all like hurt how well do you actually know the doctor in that you're you know instead of being sure disappointed we missed you we were worried about you but being mad at her just seems like they don't they still don't really understand what it is to be the doctor and yeah. to live that life so i do worry about yaz down the road that she just she doesn't really get it mm-hmm. well even though jack tried to tell her yep, yep. straight mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. 
I mean, I did feel that Ryan and Graham are going to have an eventual Big Finish spin-off series <laughs> oh, yeah. together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to know about the the Korean gravel uh, quarry monsters. Let's uh, get on that. Yeah. Um, Batgirl I, pilot. I... Uh, I okay. Let's talk about Jack and also about the the prison that the doctor is the in for prison, decades. Yeah. Prison has lots of in jokes. There's Angela, the the angel who is being trapped <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. There's the tiny from the is that Saranga? That's the, 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 the yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. And the, the silent that she forgets about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got you were here. Got you were here. There's a couple of ood there. I think yep. there's a big wide shot. Was this? There's if you go frame by frame, I'm sure there's a lot of. Probably a lot of in-jokes Maybe in references and also some, like, one I thought, is that like a giant Muppet or something? I thought. Yeah, yeah. there was something big and green <laughs> and green. fluffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None Although, of us would ever do such a thing. <laughs> Coming to series 13. Yeah. My, my favorite bit, though, was uh, in her cell, she's got all the marks on the wall, and they were not the typical human, you know, four, four up and down and then a slash. The tally marks, it yeah. was It was eight across eight, and then, and an then one and then an X. So it was like, you know, eight uh, vertical and then an X through through that to make yeah, ten. To make ten. Like, That's great. I'm yeah. I'm gonna do that from now on. <laughs> I, I had a I had a problem with that only because I recently watched Top Secret for the Incomparable and so I was thinking about that Val Kilmer joke of about the oh my yeah, thank I thank God you've come. I've been in here for thirteen minutes. Right. I had that <laughs> too. Like, oh, just no. puts up a new little mark every every minute that she's there. It's been um, it's been several I liked hours. Her suit. I like the prison suit. Mm-hmm. I like they sort of did a transition from the the soon to be prime minister in a red coat that I was like I want that red coat um, that she was wearing when she was meeting uh, Chris mm-hmm. Noth in With the forest and then, to match mm-hmm. yes and then like you see the doctor and you don't you see she's also wearing red but until you know they pan out and I'm like oh it's a prison jumpsuit same shade so. Anyway, I like yeah. that. I like the talking to the cameras. Hello, camera 158. Hello, camera 157. 38. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I did like with with Jack that it was kind of fun Jack. And yeah. uh, not so much Torchwood Jack, really. Uh, more RTD Jack. But yes. it, it was uh, just like they just sort of hit the ground running. There was no kind of like... Oh, now you're a lady, blah, 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 blah. You know, it was, I mean, they did a little, a few references, but it, you know, they just sort of like just w- rolled with it. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Jack, right? Let's go out in our sort of rolly ball thing. I like that she asked him, have you had some work done? I yeah. was like, zing, John. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, also, don't go ahead. I was just going to say, he's he's been doing that role for 16 years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I did like when they he was talking to Yaz that he switched between talking about the doctor as a he and a her, depending on which version of the doctor he was talking about. And I was like, nicely done. Yeah, yeah interesting way to handle that, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. wondering how it was going to be, because the default is she, because the doctor is she right now. But then when yep. he gets into a historical thing, he's like, oh, yeah, he left me behind and all that. And I, I, I had wondered how they were going to handle pronouns in that scenario. And that <laughs> that was an interesting approach to sort of like default on she. But then in his reminiscences, um, you know, mentions mentions Rose and calls calls her a pal. I thought that was also kind of like, pal? Is that the... Like you, you I, detail I that really she's a, react. No. You're going to detail that she's in a parallel universe, but not that you know. Yeah, I, I, I did like that they glossed over the parallel universe, and there was a bit of a double take of what? 
Yeah. Like, is yeah. this what's no, going to happen seriously? to us? Yeah. 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 I yeah. do like the quick super uh, recap of Jack. Oh, you know, oh, that was partly the doctor's fault. Also, someone who uh, named Rose, she's, she's into the parallel universe now. <laughs> like, I, I do you like know that her. sort of recap. <laughs> you know, given that that episode is like 15 it's years very, ago now. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Shush. Yeah. God. You, would, you wouldn't know her. You, you, Again, her. they'll probably meet in a big finish episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, we it, haven't... it is wonderful to be able to just sort of do all those info dumps of fan service in there and for relatively new viewers they just they'll react just the same way that graham did and that is perfectly fine i think so i think so we didn't mention the my favorite part of the entire uh the prison sequence which is uh when they play super doctor ball where the, <laughs> yes. they, they, they enter a big, big breakout ball and then they got to run inside the ball and uh, it's fun. It's uh, done. Turn left now, doctor. It's uh, it made me laugh. That's like what a ridiculous thing. But the, again, this is a man who fires a squareness gun. Also seen. Um, yep. And so of course uh, they they play super doctor ball. Uh, it made me laugh. It yeah. was both like an easy solution, but also it took him. I think he said nineteen years to get there. Uh huh. Yeah. To get so, the same you know. cell next to well, they're him. Well, yeah. they're both basically immortal. So, you know, it seems like yeah, a long time exactly. for us, but, you know, it's worth it for for them. I think we have a different perspective now after our 2020 of <laughs> what it's like to spend a year in one place at mm. one time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, again, <laughs> they made this they made this before this happened. Um some of this stuff would have, I think, hit a little differently than it than it would have if this had been released much earlier. Speaking yeah. of spending a lot of time in one place, did anybody notice this? Like, you know, famously, I think, is it J.J. Abrams who said that spaceships travel at the speed of plot, I think? The idea that, <laughs> that ultimately yes. you need to have... The goal is to have your characters do what they need to do, and so your plot will will bend. But... I know exactly they, where you're going. You know yes, where I'm going with this. They are going on Earth without jumping in time from wherever, the UK, to Osaka, Japan, in the TARDIS. And not only does the doctor hang a lantern on it and say, eight minutes to Osaka. Why is it eight minutes? You you could go there instantaneously. Only four. Four, only four. Or four minutes to Osaka. And then there is a long, very lovely conversation that's important for character between the doctor and Ryan. That this is a key conversation, but I just, I'm sorry, I had to write down in my notes why is the trip to Osaka taking so long? And I, maybe I, it's because <laughs> I can headcanon it as like because the doctor needs to talk to Ryan, and so she put it in neutral for a little while. Yeah, but yeah. It, slow it's, cooker. It's, it's just hilarious. The TARDIS is running far. on ethanol. They're not. They're literally she filled, going. She filled it with ethanol instead of actual nowhere. petrol. There's and no. So it just, did they, did they? I was almost expecting to be like, "Whoa, uh, we went to uh, the far future across the galaxy." So now that was a mistake, and now we got to go back. But instead, it's just like, "I don't." I laughed. It's fine. I get why they had to do it, but it's silly. Yeah, going back to the doctor's wife, I'm wondering if, like, you know, the doctor takes you where you know not where you want to go, but where you need to go, and I'm thinking, okay, this trip to Osaka, it'll take ten minutes because you need to go have a the talk. The TARDIS with Ryan. knows yeah. she needs yeah. to talk to Ryan. I yeah. think that's probably the right answer there. But it just it made me laugh because I'm like, oh my god. Why is it four minutes to Osaka? Oh, they're talking for so long. And there's, <laughs> how, where are they? Why yeah. are they? How does that as work? You, 
as you say, it's it's at the speed of plot, and it's like how how long does the Falcon need to travel in hyperspace to go where it needs to go as well, yeah. and why is it here so quickly this time around? Yeah, the TARDIS I, sort of varies I, when it comes to its <laughs> destination time. Nonlinear. I think it's kind of you know sometimes you just want to go there instantly, and sometimes you want to take the slow route. Right? You know, just yeah. fly Calm. the TARDIS physically there. Also, maybe if you try to do, you know, we want to get there instantly, you end up 10 months late. And if you maybe decide right. to take 10 minutes that to get there, you're going to you're gonna land exactly where you want to be. Yeah, That's that rice I, is better I, in the slow cooker yeah. than in the microwave, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Theoretically, <laughs> if you're in a time moved machine. Instantaneously. If you're in, in well, a time, time machine, machine from the outside, so it it's instantaneous. Even if it takes you 10 minutes, it's instantaneous yeah. on the outside. Does it really matter? Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. It gives you time to talk. Yeah, what's 10 months or 79 years? It's all the same. Anyway, when Japan, it it's up. just like right over on the other side. Of the, anyway, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, I had one other note, and then I, I'm going to ask you all if there is anything else we haven't talked about that you should mention. My one other note is that I enjoy Revelation of the Daleks a lot, which is a Sixth Doctor episode in which uh, there is a, uh, a planet of uh, cemetery, basically, and it turns out that the dead bodies on that planet are being fed to the Daleks uh, as nutrients. And uh, so I laughed heartily when <laughs> the revelation happened that uh, all of the clone Daleks were being fed essentially Soylent <laughs> purple, yes. I guess, ultra, so, Soylent violet, I guess. They really like violet. Violet is good for their skin. Um, that made me laugh because I felt like I was uh, tra- back on tranquil repose for a moment. Osaka. Uh. Osaka. <laughs> Very nice. Now, like <laughs> yeah. tranquil repose. Anything Revel- else that we haven't talked about that we should uh, talk about? Um, I like the line, Daleks are not pets. Um, oh. just... That was funny. <laughs> da- it was specifically, Daleks are not the pets of the doctor, which I thought was <laughs> we... a very nice yeah. twist on them cons- consistently over and over and over again throughout history saying that the doctor is the enemy of the Daleks. So it was just like turning that line that we've heard a billion times <laughs> on its head and adding yeah. the word pets. <laughs> I think maybe that's the best. I, I, have... the best. I like uh, Jodie Whittaker when she does those... Um, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're my pets. I, I think that when she's sort of uh, uh, talking crap to her enemies, it, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of delightful. <laughs> so she's like, "Yeah, Daleks, you're all out there. I'm in here. You 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 suck. You're my you're you're my you're my pets." <laughs> and they're like, "No, we're not. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Come come in here. And it's just it's so great. Uh, yeah, she's really good at that. That's a, that's good good Jody Whitaker stuff there." Yeah, good I've, trash talk. I have an admission yeah. to make. Uh, so uh, one of the things that, uh, because of the the uh, unpredictable uh, timing of things, we didn't know how soon after Jody's first series we were going to get more Who. I held off starting that one until shortly before um, series twelve started, and um, knowing that there was another uh, you know question mark as to when we were going to get more Who. Um, not just with the state of the world and everything, but because I like rationing my who and I need some who every so often um, with the previous series, I uh, stopped after the Tesla episode and then watched the last couple of episodes of that series and then watched this and didn't feel lost at all. And I love that I don't feel lost at all. I don't That's feel good. like I yeah. had to have seen every single one of those episodes. So I've, I've socked those away. Not, and nothing much happens in them. So that's perfectly fine. Me over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, specials, they, they, like they make reference to the big story arc from series uh, 12, but 
it yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. matter because they know that mm-hmm. there are going to be all sorts of people watching this, especially in the UK, who aren't caught up, but they just want to sit down and, and have a Doctor Who story and have it be loud I, and adventurous. And it works. For, on that, on that, that is, that's actually the thing that I wanted to mention is that, you know, after the, the reveals that happened at the end of the previous two-parter, like that was big stuff and fandom has been grappling with it for you know a year now and i like the fact that the doctor has had 20 years yeah 79 was she there for 79 for 79 okay wow Mm. okay that's right it was it was jack that took 20 years yeah um so she's had this much time to really sort of ponder that and then and then i was slightly disappointed by the fact that she comes out of it going i still don't know who i am i was like (laughs) oh that's that's a little bit of a shame but I'm, i'm hoping it's one of those things where you know when you're when you're stuck in the same place for mm-hmm. a long time again something we can relate mm-hmm. to now um everything is sort of just in a holding pattern like we're you know you're in neutral and then getting out of that same spot getting out of prison and being able to interact with people and have that conversation to say you know who are you know you're you're the doctor same as you've always been that, that great conversation with ryan about how you're the same person, but people change because they have to, and that's a good thing. So I, I kind of like the fact that she was in prison for a while. Like, you know, maybe she didn't need to be there quite so long to to, to mull it over because she might have, you know, fell into the mopey territory mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit towards the end there. But I, I do like that she's had time to grapple with this uh, without having adventures to distract her or, you know, companions to interact with, unless you consider angela the angel to angel. be a companion <laughs> the, the, the companion debate starts here oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I did think if you're trying to like hijack a consignment of dalek how many like vans with poison tea do you need to have put around the motorway <laughs> to the message of this episode drinking tea mm-hmm dangerous yeah. i i feel yes. like she probably had a few agents at a few ports of call along but, the yeah. road or that if, guy if is really really just predictable yeah. really predictable yeah. but if he'd got in his van and then started driving before he'd had a sip of it it would have gone completely differently well, yeah. and... I, I wanted to mention the pacing because this is a funny thing that the beginning of this episode i felt was very slow paced that like we have to see the guy how's your mother he goes it's like i get that that's setting up some tension but at the same time it seemed like not necessary for for there to be that much of it and at the end we get jack on like the answering machine on the voicemail saying very gwen, weird gwen says hi uh see you later bye and there's no did, farewell they did not there at shoot all. a farewell scene or they shot one and didn't use it because all of that takes place with uh adr dialogue yeah and you, you know no one's on screen saying the words that you're hearing it mm-hmm. was very weird and i'm wondering I want an inquest into this, obviously. Obviously, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm wondering, like, did they did they have one and thought this actually takes away from the emotional ending of the companions leaving, or uh, did they just not show? Maybe I they, don't know. maybe it was something that you know he was like joking about a pandemic or something, and they just like, mm. oh, we cannot use this at all. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's just sort of where I'm thinking. That's what that, the inquest that. is going to have to determine because we don't really get a goodbye from Jack other than in in adr and it's not good i it's it's really unfortunate so i I wonder what the story is there although it does have the line about gwen saying hi and having defeated a dalek with just like her moped her baby and a boxing glove which i thought was great yeah good but But yeah i mean maybe maybe it was maybe they shot a scene that either 
made it clear that Jack was coming back or made it very clear that Jack was not coming back. And then they decided to change their mind right. about whether or not that character is coming back. So they had to scrap whatever it was. Right. Because mm-hmm. they aren't and doing as many episodes for the for the 13th series. And, um, you know, obviously the pandemic completely changed everything. And maybe they decided mm-hmm. that they needed to do that. I don't know. I, I, I was also thinking, I wonder if there's like a pickup scene that they had to do, they were going to go back to, and then they couldn't. But I, I well, something mm-hmm. happened. Something very clearly, mm-hmm. weirdly happened. And so you end up with, it, it felt to me this imbalance where the episode took a lot of time to get started, and then at the end, it wrapped up very quickly. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll save it for the inquest. Yes. Um, <laughs> I... I wonder how this went over with the casuals in the UK, um, because this felt like a very much a two-year retrospective of the Chibnall era. You know, mm. uh, Resolution felt more like a general festive special, a ripping Doctor Who story with a Dalek, you know, something like that. But this was all about wrapping up uh, Ryan and Graham's arc, and there were so many callbacks. There was callbacks to arachnids in the UK, of all things. You know, this was very much about Doctor Who for the past two series, um, and except for except for Captain Jack. Um, so this does feel like um, maybe even more confident than in previous in the previous series, but um, you know, like. We're proud of what we're making now with Doctor Who, and we're going to call back our earlier stuff, and we're just going to lean into the things that we think work about the show that we're making now, and less mm. about let's make a let's less about let's just make a Doctor Who story for New Year's. Yeah, it's relying on its own recent history, which means it has the confidence to do so now, which maybe it didn't a year or so ago that we're sort of relying on a Dalek. You know, as we were saying, the Daleks are kind of you know, secondary, I suppose, the plot, like the main aspect is, is Ryan and Graham leaving and then like actually bringing in Chris Noth again is like, yeah, we're leading into it. The Batane gets another appearance. This, this is the, the celebration of the Chibnall era for what it's worth uh, as, as we, as we send, you know, as we split half the team up basically now. Yeah. And, and now it's, a, now it feels like a weirdly new era with, you know, pandemic restrictions and, uh, and a, a, a slightly, <laughs> I, I thought it'd be an exactly halved cast, but apparently we have another person coming on Ooh. board. <laughs> yeah. you know, poor, poor John Bishop, who I had to immediately Google. Um, I, he was quite no recognizable idea. to I, me. I, and it's like, oh, great, a stand up comedian. Oh, see, uh, you would. I looked at it and thought, yeah. what, was that Hugh Grant? And, <laughs> <laughs> and is John Bishop the character? <laughs> Yeah, I assume John Bishop was comedian. the name of the character. <laughs> I didn't know who that because it sounds like a character name for a Doctor Who episode. No, but well, so. he's he's named like Mike or Dan or something. He's got a it's boring, Dan. Yeah. He's, he's he, a boring he was name spotted. Boring name. He yeah. was spotted in filming of episodes. I think last month. Um, and now yeah. has COVID. Yes, he and had, now he has had COVID. COVID. Ha, ha, yeah, earlier this year he had COVID. I think. Yes. This you is, know what Doctor Who all... needed is a is an ex footballer. That's what Doctor Who needed. Apparently he played football too. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's sorry. Apologies to everyone so, in the UK. He's someone who with 3.5 million Twitter followers. North Americans never have heard no idea who he is. But it's, it's a bit like Graham as well. It's like somebody who just doesn't read anything to you over there. And we nope. go, oh, that's that guy nope. from the quiz shows or whatever. Right. No. Um, no which idea. I enjoy. I, I enjoy that Doctor Who still, you know, relishes in its Britishness. That it, it doesn't like try to like pander to, to like, oh, guess what? Now Matt Damon is 
actors on the show or, you know, yeah. like trying to lure a big name American actor as a regular. Uh, instead, they go for a big name in the UK and not really known outside of the UK. And I love that. I love not knowing things about Doctor I, Who. I just wanted to go charms. like one episode without them having to bring somebody else in, you know, maybe just it have will. The... Maybe, maybe it will. will. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. I just wanted I... the Yes show. Yeah. Yeah. No, yes. yeah. Just what I need, yeah. another middle-aged white guy to do some wisecracking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I need is uh, extended jokes about football because get it, he used to play football. Get so we're going to do some football stuff. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm going to go around one last time and I, I'd sort of like your, your overall thoughts about how, how you think this episode landed. Um, just curious before we go, just overall, we've talked about the details. Overall, how did you feel? Let's start with uh, Stephen and Erica, since they're together. Start there. Uh, overall, I really liked it. It was, it was just, it was fun. It was, it was festive. Uh, they actually said the words happy new year. So, you know, got that in there right at the beginning. And it, it actually, it left me with kind of mixed feelings because I was happy to have seen Doctor Who, but then it's like, this is the only Doctor Who I've had to look forward to for a long time. And now we don't even know when more is coming. So I I have this weird, like bittersweet mix of, of feeling happy and slightly bereft. But overall, thumbs up. It's it's a unique feeling for a Doctor Who fan. You know, Star Wars or Star Trek fans, they get their complete seasons and there are never any one-off specials that uh, are meant to tide them over for a few months at a time. So, yeah, I get that same feeling whenever watching one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it a great deal. I, uh, I you know, I, I, I at first I thought that the, the, the goodbyes between the, the team was going to be, okay, we're just off you go. And then, you know, the doctor calls them over and then they have this little group hug and they say, bye, fam. And I thought that really got me, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's you know it, it made Jody cry on set too because you know these are people that she's been with since day one of her being in Doctor Who and all of a sudden there are no longer everyone who worked on the show with you or is there anymore and it's it's a big change for an actor I know that many actors Matt Smith uh, mm-hmm. when Karen Gillan left and you know Tom Baker when Elizabeth Slayton like all these actors over the years once they lose their original companion so to speak their their perspective on the show changes so i'm i'm intrigued to see where we go in in season 13 and hope that uh that dan is not the uh the third wheel that i i worried that he might become <laughs> stupid dan let's start it now stupid dumb old dan Who hashtag stupid dan? dan uh annette i have been re-watching like all of modern who over the last because you know We've been watching a lot of TV lately. And I'm just, it was so interesting to go back. And then, you know, I was watching 13 series recently, and it's just such a different show. And I just kind of want to restate that this last season is my favorite season, I think. I'm going to definitively say it's passing season five for me. And I really love this last episode. It just felt like, I don't know, it just feels like such a kind of a more mature grown up it knows who it is. I like the fam together. I like, I'm so glad they didn't, they ended it on like kind of a positive note. I was just so relieved. So it made me happy. And yeah, it sucks that we're not going to have Doctor Who for a while, but uh, I'm probably going to like hang up from you guys and go watch it again. (laughs) So (laughs) that works. Jean. Nice. Um, I like that it underscored who the doctor is even regardless of what incarnation the doctor looks like that the just in a couple of you know lines where uh she says like i'm the one who stops the daleks you know so like sort of regrounding the, the you know 
the purpose, one of her purposes is, you know, that we, we save the earth, we stop the Daleks. Um, and also I'm, I'm the one back. that comes, <laughs> comes up with the, the plan. When you think like, what could the plan be? Um, she, when she says like, I'm going over my options and it hasn't taken very long, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, and then pulls out an idea that, you know, of course it works. And I mean, that's to me is the doctor's superpower is that the doctor can think um, kind of outside the box and make something happen that doesn't require, you know, an actual superpower or magic or whatever. Exactly. It's, it's all, um, you know, then they're, they're clever and, you know, inventiveness. So this doctor, I, I felt regrounded in, you know, the doctor as a character. So I like that. Yes. Moises? To tag off of uh, Annette's uh, praise for the Jodie Whittaker era, um, I think as we discussed earlier, this episode being a celebration of Chibnall and his showrunners' uh, run on the show and the story that we've gotten um, was a really nice reminder to me of how of all of the episodes that I've seen, the reason that I've been rationing them is because they're so consistently good. Um, and I hope we get um, years yet of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor, um, because the central performance, uh, of the show is, is what drives so much, uh, and there's so much heart, um, in, uh, in so many different respects, uh, that, that, uh, that, that I can mean that, uh, of someone with two hearts. Um, the, the growth of the character, um, as Erica said earlier, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm of two minds, two hearts uh, of bits of it because I don't want to think of it as, you know, cheaply gendered, but I'm glad that those moments of growth and overall um, changes to what the franchise means. I'm glad that those are taking hold. Um, And I just want more of that. And what the two parter at the end of uh, series 12 gave us was a uh, big, huge multifaceted quantum gateway into who knows where we're going with this? Um, so I, I just hope that the powers that be let the creatives keep doing what they've been doing so incredibly well, and um, and don't just go, oh well, you know, we're gonna interfere and ma- make you do this and make you do that, um, to the point that they they scare these incredibly talented people away. James, um, I think as a Dalek episode, I preferred the alien to the aliens. So like last year's resolutions <laughs> as a story. Um, but I thought this was a good episode and I liked that they had the, 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 the wrapping up of at least, you know, the, the, the Ryan and Graham storyline nicely and, and, and all the sort of stuff about personal, personal growth. Uh, I'm mainly concerned about the ethics of a meringue restaurant where the waiters are right? also made of meringue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you eat the waiters is the main question. Probably, there's probably a sign outside. Welcome to the meringue restaurant. Please do not eat the waiters. There's plenty of meringue to go around. Or please do. All yes, your meats do. Yeah. Is, is edible. Yeah, I did think of the meat, the meat scene meet from it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chip, I think I'm with James in preferring ever so slightly resolution to revolution of the Daleks. This was, but this had the character development stuff that I was really hungry for, 
and the sorts of bits of fan service that are just utterly appropriate for a festive special. Um, so uh, I really like it. And like, uh, like Erica, you know, now I'm just sort of bereft because it's going to be another 10 months or so before we get any more. And I, I am, I want it now. I want it maybe now. we maybe we can all chip in and get them a volume so that they can film like the Mandalorian. <laughs> sure, I'll look for some change in the couch. Right. Oh goodness, the, I think the worst thing in the world you can do for Doctor Who is give it a high quality budget. True. <laughs> hmm. Good point. Good point. Well, yeah, this is this is that weird thing. I don't know if I like it or dislike it. The idea that the Doctor Who fans get these specials that are sometimes completely unconnected to season runs and you float away for months and then there's an episode and then you float away again for many more months and that's where we are here i don't i'm not sure i i love it um I, yeah i thought this episode was was fine i did i i am tired of the daleks to be honest uh and i i kind of wish that there had been some other story to pull the character bits along but it was like i said i took uh joy in chris noth's ridiculous uh character and performance and the sight of chris chibnall trying very hard to do interesting things with the daleks that we hadn't seen before um and uh and i i like the characters and uh i thought that they handled the characters well so thumbs up for that and and captain jack too to i didn't say this earlier but like i think bringing captain jack in he could have been really misused and instead uh i think he fit right in i think he was a, a other than that he had no exit i thought it was a, a good use of captain jack <laughs> he so. fit in so well they couldn't get rid of him correctly or, or maybe or maybe he's in like, there somewhere he's hiding maybe the maybe the final shot seemed so final that perhaps you know what we want to maybe bring you back jack so maybe let's maybe, maybe he just refused to film like the scene that. where they said <laughs> yes. if, if i never leave if i never or, shoot or the maybe scene, it means i'm still here yep well. Maybe yeah. it was, oh, he's he's gone back to L.A. We've got to put him back on a flight. And the BBC's <laughs> like, oh, sorry, you don't have budget for that. No. Yeah. Okay. We'll just zoom him in. You have budget for a phone yeah. call. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the Doctor Who Flashcast will return eventually, I suppose. But there'll need to be new Doctor Who for that to happen. And who knows when that will be. Later this year, hopefully. Now, now that it's 2021, I can say that. Later this year, hopefully Yay. there'll be a little bit more Doctor Who. But until then... Uh, this has been the Doctor Who Flashcast. My thanks to my wonderful giant panel, pajama party panel, here on New Year's Day. James Thompson, Annette Weirstra, Moises Chuyon, Gene McDonald, Chip Sutterth, Stephen Chapansky, and Erica Ensign. So many people. <laughs> and thanks to you, who, <laughs> surprise, there was a Doctor Who Flashcast episode. Uh, uh, we'll see you in a million, million, million. I'm going to just make marks in tens on my cell wall. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll be back again. for recycling of the downs. H and then X and then the other side of the X. And that'll be it. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Doctor Who Flashcast. Only in the Doctor Who.